0: Thanks for tuning in to the Glenridge Church message. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way at all, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. Wonderful. Thanks, Christian and Helen. Uh, morning of glitches, gremlins in the internet. And uh, we are really uh, sorry for that and apologize to those that have been interrupted with that. But uh, this is what live, live streaming is like. And uh, uh, it is just uh, it's one of those things that happens every now and again. But friends, uh, when I actually almost get a little bit encouraged at all of this, it's kind of going on because it, I feel like I've got a word for us that I think is for us. And um, I really do think what God is wanting to say this morning is, is significant and profound in the season that we're in as a church and with what God's wanting to, to do with us. So um, in one sense, I feel like God wants to get this is a word from God and there is going to come these things, but uh, we're going to push through and let God do what he wants to do. Just also we are allowed to have 250 people in our building uh, going forward and we are figuring out what that looks like, how we can do that. So um, we'll let you know during the week exactly what what that means as we get the regulations. The regulations haven't come out yet. We're kind of wanting to see what those say and if that changes anything to what we're doing at the moment. But we'll let you know. So that's exciting that actually we're going to be able to get into the building a whole bunch of us at a time and it's going to be really cool. Getting back to what I feel like God is saying to us today, uh, we as a, we as an eldership team, we had a day together this weekend, strategizing in God, trying to hear God for what He's saying in the season and what He's saying for our future. And uh, we literally spent must have spent four or five hours just just going through all the different uh, inputs that we've had from Anton and Ange, stuff that God started to speak to us at the end of last year uh, with the faith series going and. Uh, as transitioning from the faith series into COVID. I mean, how profound was it that faith was and the faith sign is still up on the above the stage to um to robert and Tully's contribution of discipleship anton and anja's contribution of 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 a of a, a kind of almost a saying that we've got a spiritual inheritance in the holy spirit and how we've got to steward that well and 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 it, it, we kind of had lots of we had a we had a word from chris venant as well that we that we dissected and uh Really, what, what we came up with, eventually we said, well, listen, there's all these things. What do we mean? What, what do we mean by this? And uh, what was quite profound in us asking this question, in the room, three people had had dreams. And dreams of, uh, of, of around them getting remarried to their wives or their spouses. And uh, which is quite a quite a significant thing. All of us in that week, three people in that week, having that dream. And actually, what we came to is there was something of God speaking to us around finding our first love again, and and, and the word that we that we landed on as a, as an eldership team was the word radical. And radical has many horrible connotations in today's time. And I'm trying to find a word that's better than radical, but it's, it's this word radical. It's, we're not called, Glenridge is not called to be a cute, cuddly, um, a, a comfortable, everything in order, everything correctly placed church. This church is called to be a prophetic silent symbol to the world and to the city and to the nations. And we're meant to be living in this prophetic space of, of pushing the boundaries of what God's saying and on the cutting edge of what God's saying. And so we came up with this word radical. On the Friday morning. Uh, in preparation for that time on the saturday and i'm, I'm laying this because this is all it's all important because i believe this is what god's saying to us and if god's speaking this we can't just say well god said something and kind of move on this is what god's saying so um i had uh, a moment with god the on the sun just in preparation for this for our for our time together and i asked, i felt god say to me when you think of the church what do you think of and I, in, my, in my mind, I started thinking of people. I saw some of your faces. I thought of the building, and we, I know the building is not the church, but it's kind of where we meet. It's so much part of it's our home that, that we gather in. Uh, we kind of, uh, kind of, all of these different things, and people that are in trouble, people that are doing well, people that are, you know, marriages and all those sorts of things. And in the midst of doing that, I, I felt God say to me, Stan, but why do you not think of me? Why do you not think of Jesus when you think of the church? Why do you think of people? And I suddenly realized, oh, my gosh. Actually, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the thing that I do rather than the thing that I have in Christ. And I realized that actually part of my shift is moving towards what I do and the responsibilities that I have instead of keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus when you get Jesus, you get everything else you need. But if you go for what you've got, you don't get Jesus necessarily. And, and, and again, the sense of what is your first love? Is Jesus that it kind of all works together, this radicalness, this radical church that has found its first love, its passion for God again. Glenridge is 37 years old. She's a 37-year-old lady that actually needs to find its first her first love in a profound way for the season ahead and be focused on the king and his kingdom and all that that means we're called to be friends a radical church that is gripped by Jesus that we are so passionately in love with him that we would do anything for him and uh in this process, obviously, we've been going through the book of Acts, and and I've been absolutely astounded at the radicalness of that book of Acts, of those early disciples. And I mean, literally, friends, they would they would be warned to and said, "Don't talk about Jesus." And the next thing they'll be doing is talking about Jesus. They'd then be uh, pulled in again and say, "Listen, we told you to stop." talking about Jesus, they want to kill him. They want to kill them. And, and Gamaliel comes and says, it listen, please don't kill them. Let's, if this is God, you, you're going to be fighting God. But if it's not God, just, you know, it'll die out. Anyway, they decide, no, instead of killing them, we're going to flog them. The whole, the, all, all, of this, all the apostles got flogged. But yet straight away, it says, but they continue to preach the word of God from house to house and, and in the temple courts. This radical group of believers, nothing would stop them. And so, I started contemplating this thing of finding your first love and 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 working this thing through and kind of pulling all these strands together. And I went to obviously Revelation chapter two, verse two, where it talks about this: you've lost your first love. And I thought, let me let me let me dissect that a little bit this morning. So a big introduction to Revelation chapter two, and this is what it says in Revelation chapter two from verse two. He's Jesus talking to the to the to the churches. He says this: I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But you have te- but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Friends, this is a this is a phenomenally strong word to this Ephesian church. And if you had to, by all outward appearances, this church was a solid church. By all outward appearances, it worked hard. It, it had a great outreach programs. It, it had integrity with the gospel. It held its gospel. It never, it never diluted the doctrine of the gospel. There was lots good about this church. But Jesus says to them, nevertheless, nevertheless, I have this one thing against you. You've lost your first love. You're actually working hard and you're doing all this thing. This, you, you, people. When people look at you, you're a happening church. And you're doing all this wonderful stuff well. But you see, friends, without love, you've got nothing. Without love, you lose love, you lose everything. And, and he says to them, but you, you, you've, you've left, you've forsaken. Um, in other translations, some translations say you've left your first love. Some say you've forsaken your first love. Some say you've abandoned your first love. It's amazing to see that it's they lost their first love. It was was different to that they they abandoned their first love. They didn't abandon their first love. They left it. They got distracted. They got busy. They got full with a whole lot of other stuff. They didn't mean to. You know when you lose something, you don't mean to lose something. And then you can't find it again. Where did I put that thing? I'm famous for that with my car keys, with my my wallet. Heather's always saying to me, I wish men need to have something imprinted on them that they don't lose their car keys and wallet. And so they've lost it. They've abandoned this. They've left it. It's not that they've done it on purpose. They once had a love that they didn't have before. And friends, I want to exhort us in these times because we're going through stuff. And I think we can be commended for a bunch of things. But friends, unless we have a love for Jesus and a love for God, whatever we do is meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. He says to them, you're doing all this amazing stuff. If you don't find your first love again and you don't repent and you don't come back to me, I'm going to put this thing out. It is quite a strong word with severe consequences. Friends, I want to exhort us in these days, we've got to find our love for Jesus again. We've got to find our love for for him and be consumed with him again. We've got to find our motivation and be compelled by him again. Friends, we're not doing this thing because it's the right thing to do. We're doing these things because we love him. We're doing these things because he's wanting to impact and change the world he's gonna, and he's going to use us. And we work hard and we, and we carry our doctrine and we do all these sorts of things and our out, outreach is good and we keep going. But friends, where's your love with Jesus? Is it what it was before? This is what his remedy is. This is what his remedy is. He carries on, and this is what the remedy is. He says this in verse 5. There's three things to remedy getting back to our first love. Number one, he says this, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Number two, repent. Number three, and do the works you did at first. So what he's doing is he's saying, listen, guys, I I don't care how good your online services are. I don't, care, I don't care how good your ministries are. You can minister all these sorts of things and you can have brilliant programs. You can have great doctrine. You can have great GC equip. You can have great worship. If you don't are not doing this from a place of your first love is me, that you, I'm in love with you, that's why we do this. It's meaningless. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says. It says you can speak in the tongues of angels. You can do signs, wonders, and miracles, but unless you have, you're like a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal, you're just making noise. It's having no impact on the kingdom. This is what I'm talking about today. So, three things of how we get our first love back. Number one is we remember. We remember what we did when we first found Jesus. We remember. I was list, uh, uh, When I was preparing this morning, I, I, I remembered the song of Brian Adams. Good old Brian Adams, if you're my age. Remember, Summer of 69 was his good song. But he sang another song, When You Love Someone. And this is something of the words of that song. It says, when you love someone, you'll do anything. You do all the crazy things that you can't explain. You'll shoot out the moon. Put out the sun. When you love someone. Carries on. Some more verses. When you love someone, you'll feel it deep inside and nothing else. It's amazing. When you love someone, it's from deep within. And nothing else could ever change your mind. When you want someone, when you need someone, when you love someone. And I love the last verse of that song. He says this. When you love someone, you'll sacrifice. Give it everything you've got. And you won't think twice. And you'd risk it all no matter what may come. When you love someone, yeah, you'll shoot out the moon, put out the sun. Do impossible things when you love someone. Friends, I wonder, that enthusiasm, that first love, how did, have we let that wane? Have we let that move away from the place that Jesus wants us to live? Are we like that? We've got to be like that prodigal son who remembered when he was in the wrong place, who remembered all that he had in his father and he rushed back there. Good, son. Friends, I want to ask us this morning, are we remembering what it was like when we first found Jesus? Sure. Come on. For many of us, we were young. I was 25 years old when I came to Glenridge. It was a profound time in my life and I'm now 51 and I'm asking myself the question, have I still got a love for Jesus that I'll shoot out the moon and put out the sun? Do impossible things for him. Have I still got a love for Jesus that I'm prepared to sacrifice everything I've got? Because my life fundamentally changed when I came to Glenrish Because of a group of people that were sacrificially loving their father and loving their king. The first thing you do is you've got to remember. The second thing you've got to do is Repent. And repenting means two things, friends. To, to truly repent, we've got to have a revelation of what God wants us to move to. Friends, if, you're not, if it's in your head and it's something that you know, but it's not in your heart, it's not a revelation thing, you never, ever get to the place of repentance where you because you've got to it needs to be revelation and then there needs to be a realignment you've got to turn away you've got to turn towards what God is saying and we start to realign all of our lives back to our first love friends making the adjustments in our thinking making the adjustments in our in our in our in our living and making the adjustments in in what we're doing friends first we've got to remember what it was like in those early days and number two We've got to repent. We've got to say, God, we're sorry. And when we get the revelation and when we begin to realign, we start to realise, God, I cheap is Lord. I'm living out of a place where I'm seeing the people. When I when I think of the church, I see people and not Jesus. If I see Jesus, I see people. If I see Jesus, I minister to people, but it's out of an overflow of seeing Jesus, not out of seeing people first. For me, very significant moment in my life on Friday morning. And number three, he did this. He says this, do what you did at first. He says, remember what it was like, repent, and then begin to do what you did at first. Remember, remember when you first got saved, and friends, this, is, this was me. I absolutely consumed the Bible. I had a revel. I, I couldn't get enough yeah. of the Bible. Good stuff. I used to read chapters and chapters. I started buying commentaries and trying to understand and trying to dig deeper. And literally, right from when I first got saved, I started buying commentaries because I so loved the Word of God. It ministered to me, it profoundly helped me to see Jesus. Remember those early days when you loved just being with Him, when you loved just being with Him, where you could actually just go and waste some time with Him. Will you just actually be with him? I would wake up early in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, in the dark, and just go and sit on my couch downstairs. We lived in a duplex. And just go and be with him. Remember the things that you, when you did at first, those works you did in the beginning. Remember what it was like when you came together with the church. When I came to, when we, this is what it was for me, I couldn't wait to be at church I couldn't wait to be at home group it was like there was I couldn't wait to be at prayer meetings there was something infused in me that I know with these saints God is going to come and I love slowly but surely this love for these people grew and grew and grew and grew Friends, this is, this is what it was like in the beginning for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was like that for you. You couldn't wait to just be with him, to sing for him, to sing together, to pray for people, just to, this is what it was like for me as a 26 or 27-year-old coming into the, into Glenridge. You remember when you overflowed with what God was saying and doing in your life. Mm-hmm. Man, I would go to my family and they were like, Sheepers, what's happened to you? Mm-hmm. Where you just overflowed with God God's saying this to me and God's done this in me and then he, he dealt with alcohol with me. And I couldn't, I just overflowed with this love and this, this. I couldn't wait to tell people, man, this is what God's doing. And yeah. remember those first days, he says, you've got to go back and do those things. If we want to kind of rekindle our first love in him. Friends, the enemy, the Satan does a masterful job at creating a a sense of general dissatisfaction with these first works. And there's this kind of quest in us to go on to to better programs and strange methods and for growth and promising to fix us and all those things. And what we do, friends, is we forget the one who is the repairer. We get the one that is the Savior. We We forget the one and we actually begin to put our faith in the stuff around us rather than the Jesus that gripped our hearts. And never let us go. Those three things, friends, are absolutely key. Remember, remember the beginning days. Repent, but make the adjustment. Friends, the, actually every, any adjustment in our life that God wants to change us is a moment of repentance. We live a lifestyle of repentance, of seeing, oh God, shifting, adjusting. No longer there. Now I'm here. Repentance actually means 180 degrees. Like, oof, it's all the way this way. And we've got to continually make these adjustments. And then we begin to do the things that we did at first. Friends, this, this applies to our marriages. Are we doing the things that we did at first with our marriages? Just to, for free. Our marriages. Are we paying attention? Are we remembering what it was like? And are we beginning to do the things that we did then? And are we living a lifestyle of repentance in our marriages to allow God to do something in us and through us? Friends, what's getting in between you and Jesus? What's getting in between you and Jesus? Yes. This is what we're saying. You know, when you, when you get saved, it's you and Jesus. Boom. And then what happens is, Christian, don't you, don't you want to come here? It's like, it's, like, uh, it's like Christian's Jesus. Obviously, he's Jesus. So turn that way. When we get saved, man, we're right here next Jesus. Before you know it, friends... Jesus is walking and we're letting stuff come in between us and different things are coming in between us. The next thing we've got a whole bunch of stuff in between us and we're losing touch with the Jesus that we first loved. And part of that is what the disciplines of the faith do for us. Friends, Thanks, Christian. Is it allows us to keep that space closed so that we, de- we declutter the space between us and Jesus. Friends, if we, you know what clutters our space is when we don't understand the new covenant reality that we have in Jesus, that we're accepted exactly as we are and we start instead of trying to perform. What about disappointment? Yeah. Comes into our, in, in between us and Jesus and then we start to think, well, oh, who am I? Maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe I don't deserve this. What about failure? Has failure come between you and Jesus? Because, friends, God wants to close the gap between us and Jesus so that our first love can be him and nothing else. If we choose to hold on to I'm not accepted, if we choose to hold on to disappointment, if we choose to hold on to failure, friends, what we're doing is we're letting go of Jesus. And in this season, in this tough time of COVID and all that we're going through, God's shaking his church and saying, I want you to come back to me. Repent in your heart. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's, 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 um, it's Joel chapter 2. Rend your hearts and not your garments. It's like God is saying, actually, I want your hearts again. This distance, I want you close next to me. I want to feel you in my back as you follow me and as we walk together. Friends, and we have this excuse that comes in between us and Jesus, busyness. Mm. Oh, but life is so busy. Friends, can I just say to you, busyness is a flippant excuse. Yeah. I'm getting quite fired up now. Busyness on, is an excuse because you're never, ever too busy for the things that you want to put first in your life. Come on. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how. If the first things that you want to do, you're putting it first. And if you put business first before Jesus and you lose your love in Jesus, it's not because of business. It's because of a choice that you've made or I've made to make busyness my king instead of Jesus my king. Good, stand. Without Jesus, friends, we're nothing. And we can do a great job, remember, without first love. Yeah. It mean, it's meaningless. Yeah. Busyness is an excuse, friends. And I speak to myself with this. It's an absolute excuse. What about unforgiveness? One of the great things that stops us from being with Jesus in a real way is unforgiveness. If we've got unforgiveness in our heart towards somebody, friends, it's going to affect your relationship with Jesus. You, we need to go and put right with people. And people, and we need to amend that and actually get, and, and remember, forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness, it doesn't mean they're right and you're wrong. Forgiveness is I'm off the hook. I'm off the hook and actually I'm free to live, even if I was wronged. Forgiveness is you absorb the wrong done to you and you give out love. That's forgiveness. That's exactly what Jesus did. He absorbed all the wrath of humanity, all the putrid acts of humanity, every rape of a child, every lost, every bit of human trafficking, every death, every murder that was ever committed came into him. And in one moment, and he released a love that was available to the whole of humanity. And if we will receive that love, we'll be reconciled to the father through him. For unforgiveness is a profound moment. What about jealousy, friends? Keeping up with the Joneses, living a fake life, because we're trying to look good and trying to look like somebody or something. Puts, puts, puts something in between Jesus and us. God wants to radically deal with us in these moments. Radically deal with us in these moments. What about the worries of this life? Matthew chapter 13 talks about this. The, the seeds don't get out the ground because, and, and they get choked because of the worries of life. Friends, when we're meditating on the worry, it means we're not meditating on the Prince of Peace, Jesus And so worry squashes the life out of us and puts distance between us and him. He doesn't want distance, friends. He is a constant. It's us that give distance. It's not him. He doesn't ever walk away from us. He doesn't ever leave us or forsake us. We leave or forsake him. For some some reasons, just busyness of life and all these things that we begin to forget that God's called us to. What about the deceitfulness of wealth? Matthew chapter 13 again. Friends, when we're pursuing, we pursuing riches, we will do that at the expense of Jesus. And when we do it at the expense of Jesus, those riches are they take us nowhere. They take us into death, Timothy says. In fact, it actually makes us, gives us more worries and more things to worry about. My, my question to us is, are we pursuing Him? God wants to get our first love back. Friends, what's coming between us and Jesus? And we've got to answer that question. And when we answer that question, we've got to say, God, I want to be back. I remember what it was like. Repent of those things. Sort them out. Make the adjustment. See them for what they are in him and make the adjustment. And then begin to do again what you did at first. I believe this is one of the key messages that God's giving to us. And, friends, that comes, comes as a team as we got together working, trying to figure out what God's saying. Came out of a moment like that, friends. This is an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly powerful season of reflection and radical obedience to Jesus. I've got fifteen or twenty things of 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 what it means to live a radical lifestyle, which is not for now. That's another preach. But friends, we we again. I want to say we do not want to be acute cuddly. Um, like this church, everything was beautifully correct, doctrinally correct, but had lost their love for Jesus. Yeah. We want to have be doctrinally correct, but have a first love for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Not either of those. We don't want to be cute. We don't want to be correct at the expense of Jesus and of our relationship with Jesus. And we don't want to be convenient and comfortable that actually we have developed a consumer mindset in the church when Jesus is wanting to take his love to the world and to the nations using us as his vessels. Father, I ask you for your power and your life to come upon us, Lord. These words are meaningless and are powerless unless your spirit comes and convicts us, Lord. And whether people are watching on online or whether they're listening to the, the, the podcast or the audio of this, I pray there would be a deep conviction in our hearts, Lord, There'd be a deep sense of of dis-ease and unease around our relationship with you. And Father, that we would see any distance that's between us and you, and we'll deal with the junk so that we can get close back with you again. And that we again would begin to rekindle the first love. That first love that compelled us, that first love that empowered us, that first love, as the great theologian Brian Adams said, When you love someone, you'll sacrifice. Give it everything you've got. And you won't think twice. You'd risk it all. No matter what may come, when you love someone, yeah, you'll shoot out the moon, put out the sun when you love someone. Bless you and have an incredible day.